This is an AMI podcast. Hello, you spectacular human beings. I'm Jenny, the fairest of them all, or the evil queen. I'll let you decide. This is Low Vision Moments, the podcast all about those sometimes frustrating, potentially embarrassing, but often pretty comical things that happen when you're just trying to go about your day living with a visual impairment, blindness, or albinism. Have you ever been at the top of the loop-de-loop of a roller coaster, you know, where it goes upside down, and then your very strong, very expensive glasses fall clean off your damn face? I have, and just remembering the sheer panic in that moment has got my heart racing now. Okay, deep breath here. Now, you're not going to believe this next part, but seconds later, at the bottom of the loop-de-loop, the glasses fell back into my lap. I know, it's incredible, and it's totally fine if you don't believe me, but the absolute panic felt in that brief moment, losing my glasses, very, very real. Life happens so quickly, so let's not waste any time here and get our guest in here, shall we? Sometimes in life, at work, you meet somebody and you quickly realize this person's got it. This person is talented, hardworking, and actually easy to get along with. They've got that je ne sais quoi. And that's how I would describe today's guest. He is a colleague of mine at my day job for a little over a year now, the poor guy. And like me, I believe he is quite fond of talking into microphones. Liam Dyer, thanks so much for coming by. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. This is really exciting and uh, so happy to be here. I mentioned that we do work together, but working with someone, especially in the remote type setting that we do, you can only get to know a person so well. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, of course. So I live in Calgary, Alberta, and um, I do a lot of record collecting and music enjoyment and all that great stuff um and of course i have an eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa most people will call it rp and basically i see out of a little hole basically i have no um peripheral vision so um as as we'll hear this this is um it can often (laughs) be very very challenging but very uh interesting as well so that's my eye condition, but I'm a pretty simple guy. Um, I do like a lot, like, like you said in the intro, a lot of, uh, a lot of audio and, and passionate about that as well. When you live with low vision or blindness, there are a myriad of skills and techniques gained through rehabilitation, through tools, technologies that enable us to go about our day safely and independently. And I should say before I forget, some of my favorite people, my best friends for life, have RP. So you're in good company. Like a lot of cool people have RP. I don't really know what it is, but it seems to be true. <laughs> That's very true. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I guess I'm. I guess I'm lucky then that way. <laughs> 
even when you're doing everything right, applying all of those things I mentioned, the techniques gained through rehabilitation, using technologies, etc., everyday life, as you said, Liam, can be challenging and interesting. Shit still happens. Exactly. The internet defines a close call as a narrow escape from danger or disaster. Yeah. It's pretty accurate. It is. Don't get me wrong. I do realize close calls happen to everyone, whether you live with blindness or another disability or not. But low vision close calls are particularly amusing. Definitely. Liam, I know I talk about running way too much, even at work, so you already know that I do like to run. (laughs) My first close call is all about running. Two blocks away from my home, at the end of the street, there is a cemetery, the Fairview Lawn Cemetery, it's called. This place actually has quite a long and really interesting history, but it's perhaps most famous for being the final resting place of more than 100 Titanic victims. There's also a mass grave for victims of the Halifax explosion, and former Prime Minister Sir Charles Tupper is buried there as well. The cemetery has been part of my running route really ever since I moved to the neighborhood, but since COVID, I have been running in there a lot more often, partly because it's just been repaved and so it's really nice and smooth, but also it can be difficult to properly physically distance on the sidewalks these days. And you're in Calgary, Liam, you get it. You've got snow there. (laughs) And (laughs) when you've got these big snow banks along either side of the sidewalk, that's a challenge. Yeah. On a wonderfully overcast day, my eye condition albinism makes me very, very sensitive to light. So I love an overcast day. (laughs) And so on an overcast day, I'm running through the cemetery when all of a sudden an animal goes bounding across the path in front of me from a really bushy area to my right to the sort of open cemetery area on my left Mm-hmm. And it's a number of feet away. Like, I couldn't tell you how far away it is. I'm a terrible judge at that. I do think depth perception is required to estimate distance. Depth perception is something I don't have. Okay. This animal was a good 10, 15 feet away. And I could tell it was an animal. It was too big to be somebody's dog, but <laughs> it moved, it bounded like a deer. I've seen deer up close in documentaries, and I thought, huh, okay, well, this is different. And I'm by no means in a rural area. I'm just like a few minutes from downtown, so it was very unusual. I stopped for a minute to assess the situation, thinking, okay, there's a railway line on the other side of those bushes to my right. (laughs) It's a little weird, but maybe the deer came up through there. And it's also really weird that it started bounding toward the highway (laughs) on my left. So anyway, I quickly assess the situation. I don't want to waste any time. I've got a certain number of kilometers I want to hit. I've got a certain pace I want to hit on this run. So quickly assess this situation. I deem it to be okay. And I went along my merry, sweaty way and finished my run. One day, a week or so later, my husband comes home and says, 
A municipal employee stopped me on the street just now and gave me a message to deliver to you. And I'm thinking, oh crap, did they close the cemetery because of COVID again and I didn't see the signage again? I was also a little creeped out that this employee knew who I was, but I didn't know who they were. Yeah, what what the heck? Right? (laughs) But then I remembered... They've quite possibly seen me a million times in the area, and I've just not seen them. So then my husband says, you remember that deer you saw in the cemetery a week or so ago that you told me about? Well, the municipal employee says, you should probably stop running in the cemetery for a while because it's not likely that was a deer. Apparently, it's coyotes that have been spotted in the area recently. Mm -hmm. Oh, crap. Oh, crap is right. (laughs) If I had known, I would have run faster, first of all. But needless to say, I haven't been able to run in there anymore. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That's a crazy story. I feel like this was a pretty close call because I kept running in that cemetery for several more minutes. And there was a coyote nearby. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, I I had something kind of similar in a way, like outside. So this is a story that I like to often tell people. So I do a lot of uh, fishing, boating, all that great stuff. I go to BC, uh, Vancouver Island, a place called Powell River. And basically, it's, it's this great right on the ocean. So one day we're all ready, me and my buddies, to go fishing They just get a brand new boat. Okay, we're all hyped up to go. Everything's ready. Okay, great. Go down to the dock. Okay, the the boat is parked there. Great. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. We're ready to get in. And um, of course, you know, living with sight loss, it's it's hard to tell, you know, where the where the boat, where to get into the boat. Um, how to get into the boat. <laughs> um, you know, now, of course, my, my friends help me and everything. But but when that was uh, going on, what actually happened was I went to step in the boat, lost my footing and fell right <gasps> in between the boat and the dock. Oh, my God. I was right in the water, right, mm-hmm. right in there. Thankfully, I didn't hit my head or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't get it like having injuries or anything <laughs> but it was pretty pretty traumatizing and of course you know they helped me out and everything and thankfully I didn't didn't have my phone on me or anything I think I'm I'm pretty smart you know of course you put it put it in like a, a nice uh, container and stuff and put it in on the boat before you get on so I didn't there weren't any any phones lost or anything like that thankfully but one of those crazy crazy things the phone made it onto the boat, but you didn't? Yeah, exactly. The phone made it onto the boat <laughs> yeah. safely first. Okay, I have a couple of questions. First question, before you tried to get into the boat, were you like, did you ask for directions? Were you like, am I in the right place? I can tell where it was exactly, absolutely, vaguely, but... um you know, I, I prob- probably was being a little stubborn and didn't so you ask could for help. Tell where the boat the was moment, vaguely. Right? Like you're all excited to get on and everything. So just kind of <laughs> missed it. So funny, crazy story, but. Was it cold water? Oh, yes, it was. The ocean, 
it was July, of course. So thankfully it was like 25 degrees, 30 degrees out. So I dried off quickly, but it was, it's always freezing going into the uh, Pacific Ocean, of course. The Pacific is cold. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure you've had some adventures too, being on the East Coast as well. I've experienced the beach on both the East and West Coasts. And the West Coast, those beaches, much, much colder. Oh, okay. We actually have warm water here on the East Coast comparatively. But I digress. I need to know, how did your friends react? Oh my God, are you okay? And everybody starts like, like I start laughing, right? So everybody then, then knows it's okay to laugh. Oh yeah. Okay. That's the cue. Like they're like, holy shit, this is crazy. How did that happen? Your head comes (laughs) up, you start laughing, then they know it's okay to laugh. (laughs) They know it's okay to laugh and that's good. So then we just kind of went on with the day, but of course we, we kept talking all throughout the day about it and they kept like ch- chirping me basically, but I was okay with it because I laughed and, and that's the, that's the thing. All you can do is laugh about it. Right. And, and have, have fun with your buddies. I say that all the time. Sometimes the best thing to do is laugh. And I mean, that could have been a very serious situation. Have. Absolutely. Thankfully I didn't hit my head or, you know, anything like that. So. And you went about your day, which is Mm. the best part for me. You still got into the boat, presumably soaking wet, and went fishing. (laughs) And that's that's what you've got to do. That's what we do. Sometimes you just have to have a good laugh and keep on keeping on. Yeah, it was a lot of fun still, so made the best out of it. Oh, man. But it sounds like you have a really good group of friends, though. You, You know it. Yeah, you got it. That is a good one. I can't wait for warmer weather, and I can't wait to do more things outside without the snow. I know, I know. So you mentioned traveling, and I absolutely love traveling too. I was flying alone one time many, many years ago, and it was a short flight, maybe from Toronto to Montreal or something like that. It was really short. From experience, I knew that with these shorter flights, they tend to be smaller planes. So you sometimes have to walk from the airport gate out onto the tarmac outside to get to the plane. Yep, yep. There's no pedway going straight from the gate to the plane. So when I made this booking online, I knew I should go and check the model of the plane. So I did just that and found that it was one of those really super small planes. I think this one is called a dash. They're, They're really quite a common small plane. I also know that walking from the gate to the plane, outdoors on the tarmac, this may or may not be something I can do independently. It really depends on where the sun is positioned at that time of day, how busy or loud is the area. So on my booking, I requested sighted guide from the gate to the plane. Yeah, yeah. So it's time for me to board. I hand my ticket to the staff person at the counter. I confirm with them that someone is going to come and walk me to the plane. They confirm. They say, oh, yes, of course. I see it on your booking. There will be someone to come and walk you to the plane. And usually, you know this, Liam, usually in when you request this kind of accommodation, you often board the plane first and True. not last. Yep, yep. But flying as a person with a visual impairment, since I've done this many times, I also know that flying can be very inconsistent. 
trip to trip, the experience can differ very widely. True, true. Sometimes they want to take your cane and put it through the scanner. Sometimes they don't. Any number of things can vary trip to trip. So I wait patiently by the door to the tarmac, and I'm I'm watching all the other passengers empty out of the gate toward the plane, and I'm standing next to the door. I'm looking at the plane. Then I look back at the I look back around the gate, and a few minutes go by, and then I realize. Um, there's nobody else around. I seem to be the only person left here in this little area of the airport. So I look back toward the plane again, and I spot two people in safety vests. And I can see them wheeling that giant staircase that was next to the plane. They're wheeling it back toward the airport toward me. (laughs) Yes, it's coming toward me. So I'm like... Oh, this is not a good sign. I'm supposed to be on that plane. And I'm like, oh, shit. Are they closing up the plane? I can see very little detail from that distance. No. But I'm pretty sure that looks like they're closing the plane door. And I'm like, oh, no. So I turn back toward the ticket counter and... (laughs) Luckily enough, there's an airline staff person just casually walking toward the counter. So I'm there frantically waving my arms in the air. I get their attention and I explain (laughs) what's happening. They had indeed closed up the plane. They were ready to take off, all without me, of course. Of course, Yeah, yeah. And that giant staircase did indeed have to be wheeled back toward the plane. The plane had to be opened back up so I could get on it. (laughs) And the best part of the whole story is that I had to waltz onto that plane with all of those passengers' eyeballs on me. Oh, no. I was the person that delayed the flight. They were ready to go. So I was just like, oh, God, I am not some high-maintenance princess. I swear I didn't mean to delay the flight. I'm really sorry. So I just get on that plane and I walk walk down the aisle with my (laughs) head down. And again, lucky for me, I didn't need to sit next to anyone. Uh, I had an area to myself. I'm not making any friends on this flight. I'm usually pretty chatty, but I did not make any friends that day. (laughs) Now, if someone was not so inclined to speak up for themselves and self-advocate in that kind of situation, Mm -hmm. you know, they might have missed their flight altogether. Someone who's shy might not have made it onto that plane that day. Definitely. I don't know how that even happened in the first place, but I guess... I know. I know how how it happened. The airline in question is well known for their excellent service. And I mean Uh that 100% sarcastically. I will not name the airline, but (laughs) that is probably the last time that I deliberately flew with that airline. Fair enough. No, I I don't blame you. (laughs) That's awesome. That's not awesome, but that's that's a funny it's probably funny now, right? It's funny now. Like many of these things, it was not funny in the moment. It took a long time to become funny. That's true with lots of these. Yeah. Well, speaking of airports, I've got a, a, an extremely funny story. This was about two years ago, coming back from Toronto coming home to Calgary. So I often go to Toronto in the summers to visit family who live there. So 
this summer was special in particular because I was going to pick up my dog there. She's a pug. Her name is Molly. Aww. So tiny, tiny little pug. So I was going there to to pick her up and bring her back mm-hmm. to Calgary. And this was already a s- stressful experience as it was, of course. Artie was a bit worried about it, but you know, everything was good. Thankfully, um, you know, my, my family took me to the airport with, with Molly, with my dog, my new dog. Um, and it was all great. Flight was perfect. Four hour flight. She did well. Everything, um, everything was great. So she was in this little kind of rolly dog carrying case, if you want to call it that. It's like a little thing, kind of like a little suitcase. So she was great in there. Um, when we get off, same type of thing, you know, I, I always request the sighted guide. So in this circumstance, of course, they made me wait t- until everybody else got off the plane <laughs> and then got off. Great. Walked up the thing. It wasn't like yours. It was uh, one of the nice indoor things. Walk up. For some reason, of course, they sat me down in like the waiting area, like at the gate. They said, they always want you to sit, have a seat. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm blind. My legs are okay. What am I waiting for? Yeah. And, and of course, you know, they said, oh, I just have to just waiting on the, on the, on the, uh, on the staff to come and, and get you to take you down to, uh, to the arrivals. Okay, great. So I'm just checking on Molly, my little new dog, just making sure she's good. Of course, I have the thought, maybe she needs a little bit of air. So I'm just going to unzip the top thing of her little case great she's all happy give her a little bit of water perfect uh in this circumstance she did not have a leash on her or anything because you know she was in there for four hours so um all of a sudden i'm just kind of looking away i look back down uh where's my dog (gasps) uh she had gotten out of there ran loose into the airport (gasps) i'm scrambling i have my cane too as well uh, help me help like you know like so like scared like where did where did this dog go of course uh the staff were panicking <laughs> as well so we're chasing my dog while I'm got my cane in one hand holding on to this to the to the airport staff okay thankfully we got her so of course I'm so happy holding the dog how far did she get um pretty far actually like way down, so it's pr- it's a pr- fairly big airport. I'm just thankful it wasn't the Toronto airport. Mm-hmm. Calgary airport's a lot smaller than that one. I mean, it's a big airport, but um, so thankfully we found her. I'm holding on to her with dear life now. Um, of course, I'm gonna put a leash on her now. So I this story gets even better. I pick her up, and all of a sudden she uh she pees all over me oh my god <laughs> so now i'm soaked in my <laughs> <laughs> okay but this is at least at your home airport this is home i'm i'm coming home now with my dog um but you're still covered in piss for the whole ride home <laughs> and of course i was you know brand new outfit and everything brand new shoes coming home brand new dog this happens of course you know i, I try to you know, the, the, I let the airport staff hold onto the leash while I try and go and find the bathroom, which, of course, is already an adventure as it is. Yes. As somebody with vision loss. Thankfully, they, they pointed me in the right place. But um, so tried my best to clean myself off as best as I could. Uh, we walked down to the arrival gate. Uh, you know, my my parents are there waiting for me. What the hell happened to you? And then I then I told them the entire story and it was all good. And 
have, have, we lived happily ever after, I guess, me and my dog. But yeah, she wasn't, of course, like really trained at that point. Um, so it was... She's a new puppy, right? Yeah. So it was it was pretty insane. But that's one of my absolute favorite, favorite vision loss stories. Now I look back at it and laugh. In the moment, I was terrified. Oh, yes. It's embarrassing. It's terrifying. So embarrassing. Worst thing could ever happen. Of course, you're sitting on the plane for four hours, so damn tired after you get off, right? So worst thing that could ever happen. But it was it was good. I'm glad that I, I don't know if I would ever take take my dog on a plane again, like unless I have, unless I had to. Like I don't mind traveling on my own, but uh, it was she was perfect for the whole flight. Liam, then- come on, it's not the dog's <laughs> fault. I like this story because it could really it could really happen to anybody, but the whole vision loss piece really kind of compounds the whole situation because That's like true. if it was someone with good vision and the dog popped out of the carrier, they might be able to just quickly whip their head around and spot the dog and you know have an idea it went this way, it went that way kind of thing. And chase, yeah. But I I had no clue because you know airports are loud, there's tons of people. It's already a stress stressful place, isn't it? Oh yeah, very busy. And then, oh my God, you got back and the dog pissed all over <laughs> you. <laughs> Again, that's not a vision loss thing. Yeah, yeah. But you know the staff and the people around are like, oh my God, this poor blind man. What a mess he's in. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it's like, I swear, I've really, I've got my shit together. I'm just having a bad day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I don't think we can blame the dog. But yeah, traveling with animals, whether you live with vision loss or not, I mean, that's a challenge. Oh, definitely. But it was worth it. We didn't name the airlines, which I do think is fair. You had good staff. I had crummy staff. It all depends on the day, I guess. It really does. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for sharing these stories and and coming on. It's been really nice to chat not at work, but I guess I will see you around the office, the virtual office, really soon. Sounds like a plan. Thanks so much for having me. This was awesome and best of luck with, with this podcast and I really appreciate you having me on. Let's do a quick recap. Running with Coyotes falling into the Pacific Ocean, nearly missing a flight, and a puppy loose in an airport. Can you top those close calls? Really, I want to know, was a lesson learned? Like, maybe I should wear a glasses retainer on roller coasters? Or were you doing everything right, and then, bam, the unexpected happened? If you're interested in joining me as a guest here on Low Vision Moments, or having your story read on the podcast, Or if you just want to say, hey, please get in touch. Send an email to podcasts at ami.ca or leave a voicemail at 1-866-509-4545. Make sure to mention Low Vision Moments in the message, please and thank you. I am also on Instagram and Twitter. Connect with me there. Find me under uberblonde4, that's U-B-E-R-B-L-O-N-D-E, and the number four. This podcast would not be possible without technical production guru Sam Robinson. A shout out from the rooftops to manager at AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Until next time, my friends. Cheers. 
Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.